Hello and welcome to this episode of the Spotlight Podcast. My name is Christina Kerr. I work at Spotlight and today we're talking all about writing. On this big topic, we have Kerry Ryan, who has a PhD in creative writing, is a writer herself and is the founder of creative writing organization Write Like a Girl, GRRL that is. Write Like a Girl has been taught in Russia, the US, Ireland and all over the UK. It's a fabulous course. I've done it myself and can vouch for Kerry's brilliance. As you'll hear in a moment, she's really encouraging and has a lot of great advice to help you get started on your writing journey. Thank you to everybody who asked us questions via social media. Please keep an eye out on all of our channels if you want to ask questions for any of our future guests. For now, take a listen. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us on the Spotlight podcast. No problem. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and we're talking about a topic that a lot of people ask us about but is often quite difficult to talk about which is writing. In particular, I think a lot of our performers pick up a pen because they want to give themselves the part that they're not able to get or that they want to play and they haven't been able to play yet. Um, but you're not a performer, you're a writer. Can you start by telling me why you write? Okay, so why do I write? It's about connection. That's why I write. Um, it w- used to be about affirmation. I started writing because I wanted my name in a book and I wanted an audience to uh, clap their hands. I wanted people to clap <laughs> their hands. And that doesn't sustain you for long. You know, it takes time to learn your craft. So looking for affirmation and writing from ego doesn't sustain you. It has to be about connection. So it changed and it became about connecting with an audience, connecting with readers and doing to other people, being able to do the same magic that I had experienced um, reading books and being put in a different world and connecting and I wanted to do that for other people. So it's kind of still about storytelling, really? Massively about storytelling, Um and about, you know, there's, there's such a magic that you can write words in a page that then you can create pictures in other people's heads. Yeah. You know, that's just wow. So to be able to do that is an amazing thing, but it does take some time. Yes, it does. <laughs> can you tell us a bit about how you developed your craft? How did you learn? What does that look like? Um, I had lots of tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a big toddler. Rebecca Solnit writes that. She says that writers are, when we start out, we're like toddlers. We can see what we want to do, but we can't do it. So we get frustrated. Um, Well, what happened? I got to a certain age and I thought, I'm going to try it and see if I can do it. Yeah. And I had had worked every job around about writing. I was watching PR, worked as a journalist, um, worked in publishing and, you know, it never did it for me. None of them did it for me. And then there came a point when I was just like, I was reading so much, I was writing in my head. I would be in situations and I would be creating scenes in the pub when people were talking to me, I would. It was. It was all. It was weird. So I had to start getting that out of my head and writing it on the page. And then um, I just began, and I wasn't any good at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not entirely true. Well, there were there were flashes of how I, it would be when I progressed, but certainly at the beginning it was ropey because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. 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 So I had to learn what I was doing, mm. and that took time. Yeah, of course. And a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. (laughs) And then there became a point, there's a tipping point where it becomes much easier. 
Mm. Um, and, you know, I always say when I started out, I didn't know how to get two people in a room actually talking. Right. That, how do you even do that? How do you even get someone to cross a room? Like, this yeah. is, you know, how do you do this and make it authentic? And um, of course, I don't think about that anymore. I just do that. But there are other things I have to consider. And you're always learning. That's the thing, you to have beginner's mind. Because there's always things you can develop and always skills you can develop and always you're always, always learning. You should always be actively learning, finding out how to do things and um, studying, really. It's yeah. lifelong learning, which is amazing for a dork like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's so much overlap there in terms of skills that you would use for writing and skills that you might use for acting. Obviously, um, you held a session with us recently as part of our open house, um, and I've had the great pleasure of doing your course with the Write Like a Girl, in which you talk a lot about um, character and, yeah, just using the skills that you have and also reading. Reading. Um, we had quite a few questions. So we did ask for questions mm-hmm. from people on our social media before you came in. And there were so many people who asked us, how do I start? Yeah. What do you reckon? That's a big question to start with. But <laughs> how does okay, one how, start? How do you start? So I think you have to allow yourself to write badly. That's mm. how you start. That's the most important thing because what often happens is that you write and then you check whether it's any good. And the thing is, it won't be very good for a long time. Not Mm. too long, (laughs) but you've got to allow yourself to write badly. And then you you write a certain amount of words and then you start getting better. But you've got to give yourself the space to get to that point um, by getting those words on the page. So just play you know, plays are called play. <laughs> For a good reason. <laughs> yes, exactly. So allow yourself to play and just write. And often people are uh, worried about whether they've got the right idea or they're doing the right thing. Just allow yourself, allow your subconscious just to take you wherever it's taking you and write whatever you want and just play. Yeah. So and keep going. Yeah, for sure. I think self-doubt is the big number one obstacle. The As you said, like either I want it to be perfect or I can't do it, uh-huh. or some other obstacle coming up. And you do a really nice job in your sessions of kind of unpacking some of those obstacles. And I think a lot of them come down to that advice of like, you need to play or you need to, or you're going to be crap anyway. Yeah. Um, is there any other kind of stuff? I mean, in terms of those like obstacles, what are the common ones that people bring up? Time. Yeah. Time, um, but you don't need a lot of time. You, you only need 50 minutes, half an hour a day. And you can, if you do that five days a week, then, you know, in a couple of months you'll have so much writing. So usually worries about time is, it's really fear at Mm. its core. You know, we're terrified and we do have a lot, you know, we're pushed and pulled in all different directions. So there are valid reasons to think that you don't have time, but we do have time. And really it's about being scared because you come face to face with your own inadequacies on the page Mm. because you can't do yet what you want to do. But if you don't start and you don't start writing and you don't start learning, then you never get there. Yeah. Uh, And another thing is no word is wasted. You know, no sentence, no line of dialogue is wasted. You learn from everything you write. Mm. And to get the good, you have to write through the bad. Yeah. Um, So time is a barrier, um, but it's not. You can make time. It's also, uh, you, you know, concerns about what other people think yeah that's a massive thing yeah for sure um that stops people freezes people but what you have to do is not write for the audience or what's hot 
or what you think uh, will be snapped up, but write only the story that you can write, and that's what you feel passionate about, mm. not issues or anything that you think is the hot thing, but what you feel passionate about, what you would love. So write, it's not self-indulgent, it's not about writing for yourself in a self-indulgent way, but writing for the me and the audience. That's what you want to do. What do you want to see on stage? Mm. Then that's what you need to write. And you need to be authentic. It doesn't matter if you're writing about blue people on Mars. It right. has to be that has to be a authentic emotion that will connect with the, the audience or yeah. the reader. Um, so, yeah, it, worrying about what other people think. And you really just have to write despite those worries and they do quieten down when you write regularly and you keep going um, but it's important to have other people around you to support you so you know make sure you've got a support system or create one or join a group or do that kind of thing really helps yeah for sure I think that's definitely um, a number one thing that gets mentioned in terms of theatre making because you just can't make theatre alone but just to kind of go back to something you said there you know the the brief daily session uh-huh. is a concept that I've heard you talk about a few times. And for me personally, has really changed how I do my writing. Mm. And I have mentioned on this podcast before that I'm also not a performer. I like to write. Um, but the brief daily session is such a huge game changer, I yeah. think. And it's just as you said, like you just need 15 minutes. Um, where did that idea come from? Why do you use that idea now? Okay, so that, that this is from a guy called Robert Boyce. He's a professor in um, America who w- studied creative writers in order to see what made them successful so that he could apply those lessons to PhD students so that they would be successful in, how, in what they produced and how much they produced and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he studied creative writers for 25 years and wrote a book about them so it's a very academic textbook and I found this when I was struggling with my PhD which was a creative writing PhD and it massively his book massively changed my approach to writing because I was a terrible procrastinator (laughs) and binger Uh, I would leave everything to the last minute and he um, said you don't need to write you don't need big chunks of time you can write for these brief daily sessions and you'll produce so much more and you'll be healthier and happier because you don't isolate yourself you know we're writing about life and people so we need to be amongst them yeah. um, and it changed me from a massive procrastinator and binger to someone who managed to finish their thesis and uh, is writing regularly and I'm so much happier yeah. so with brief daily sessions it's about starting yes but stopping is as important as starting Mm. because when you stop when your time's up it means you're eager to get back to it the next day but it also means if it's not gone so well if it's been not such a good day for you then it's done and you can just do it the next day and you write whatever your mood is it doesn't matter if you're sad happy pissed off whatever (laughs) you just do it and And it's amazing, as I'm sure you've found, it is amazing what you can produce in that time. Yeah, totally. You can produce so much more because it's independent of mood, as you say. It's no longer about, like, I need to have my special chair with my special whatever. The planets need to be aligned in this specific way. Exactly. You don't wait for the muse to descend because we don't believe in muses. They're, you know, they're a myth. So what it is, it's about writing regularly. And then something amazing happens with the subconscious. Mm. It, during the day when you're not writing, this it's marinating 
the ideas are happening yeah. uh, and then when you sit down to write you've actually done some of the work because you're doing what we call pre-writing you're thinking about what you're going to write when you're in meetings when you're in a cafe you take notes you go see plays you read books and that feeds into your subconscious which then it comes out on the page yeah. so that's why you can write for a short amount of time um, and what also happens is when you write despite your mood it means that you gain confidence in your ability to write whatever. So that means self-doubt turns down. Mm. And you realise, and then you learn that even when you're in a bad mood and really down on yourself and think you're the worst writer in the world, when you read your work later, it actually isn't any different to how you were when you were happy and thinking it was going amazing. Yeah. So your mood doesn't matter. Just yeah. get the words on the page. That's the most important thing. And what about things like, I, I know that sometimes one of the kind of, um, perhaps another barrier to starting is the idea that I have no ideas. Yeah. Um, where do the ideas come from then if you've just never started this? Should you just start by stream of consciousnessing something out? Like where can you begin? Yeah, if- use prompts. You've got loads of prompts, dialogue prompts online. You can get a dialogue generator and just write freely from whatever comes up. Uh, overhear people, you know, take down conversations. Um, start with character. Don't start with idea. Right. Because if you start with people and you flesh out your people and write your people, then what will happen is that what the theme that you're interested in will subconsciously pop up mm-hmm. instead of you forcing it and thinking, I'm going to write about Brexit. <laughs> and then your people are just, you know, uh, sock puppets for your right. idea. <laughs> so start with your people. That's yeah. what it is. You know, even in political drama or anything like that, the best ones that resonate with people, it's because they're... It resonate with an audience is because the characters are authentic. They've got inner conflict. They've got stuff going on. Yeah. They're not just mouthpieces for an author's playwright's idea. Um, so in terms of idea, it's about filling your well mm. with, as I said, reading, going to plays, um, and not going to watch a play as an actor, but going to watch a play as a playwright and seeing how it's done, reading plays, going for walks, speaking to other people, being nosy as hell <laughs> and uh, listening to the conversations <laughs> wherever you can and yeah. taking notes and just that, all that stuff is not self-indulgent. That is as important as writing. So you yes. need to do that stuff. You need to feed, you know, you need to fill your well and then your ideas will come and just allow yourself to play. That's it. That's the most important thing. I wonder then in terms of, well, one of the things that I've come up against is um, kind of using, I feel like sometimes I can use that stuff to procrastinate. Yeah. Um, or if I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to write this thing that's set in this particular time and place. I'm just going to research the hell out of it. Yeah. And then research becomes my procrastination. Um, what would you say to that? Like, is research a potential barrier? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I snapped up the idea of doing a thesis because it was like (laughs) four years of dorking out in research. research. (laughs) But so you have to limit yourself if you if you find that you're procrastinating, you have to limit yourself. But I would say the thing to do is to be writing at the same time as you're researching. Don't stop. You know, if you're stuck at something you're writing and you have to find out more, then just write something else the next day. But you know, while you're researching this other thing. And often 
what I say is, you know, just don't use the internet when you're you're writing. And what will happen is you'll be like, yeah, I really need to find out when rhododendrons were imported from China or whenever they came <laughs> from. Yeah. And then, you know, it's midnight and you, you've been there for six hours. So, yes, make sure when you're writing, you're not researching. Just take a note of what you need to research and then make sure the two are working in tandem with each other. You don't take a chunk of time. Mm. And because really that is just procrastination. We don't need to know everything. You yeah. can always find out later. Just write, get yeah. it down. And that's that's the best advice I can give is start. Yes. And get a beginning, middle and an end. Even it will be rough, 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 but just get something down and don't stop until you finish. Mm-hmm. Don't polish, don't go back and polish and polish and polish. Um, you're looking like that's yikes. like my major. <laughs> that's like my major uh, crime, I think. Yeah, is polishing. Well, I was the same, and it comes from a deep insecurity. Certainly, in my personal experience of feeling like I have to get it right before anyone sees this. But the thing is, what I learned is you can be writing a piece of work and polishing it for ten years, and then you show it to people, and they'll be like, "Huh." <laughs> this yeah. bit's missing, I don't see this, or you've over-explained this, or you, you just can't see it. You need other people. Yeah. So don't waste your time polishing mm. to polish and polish and polish. Just get it all down and then edit it once you've got a rough draft. Once it's done. Yeah, your three-act play or whatever, get your acts down. And even if there's bits when you're like, something has to happen here, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> just That's keep, fine. Just keep going, just yeah. get it down. What about, um, are you, I don't know how much you like to use these terms, but are you a plotter or a pantser? And do you like those terms? Yeah, um, I think they're useful. And I think I think for me, I need a wee bit of plotting. And then... We I, should probably explain that if you're a pantser, you're the kind of person who just sits down at a blank page and goes without anything yeah, in mind. That's if right. If you're a plotter, you've made a whole plot and then you write to it. Mm. I think when it comes to plays that... Some people feel that they want to get it down and then do the character work because it's too much of a straitjacket mm. having doing your character work and finding out how people are and plotting. So you just want to knock it out. But then other people need to know a bit more. And uh, the answer is there's no right way of doing it. That's You just have to find out what works for you. If you find that you're getting lost and you need to know more, then you need a bit more planning. You need a bit more plotting. Um, if you feel too, it feels like too much hard work, it's boring, you, you know every single step and it's boring, then, you know, you need to let loose a little bit. But for me personally, I need a bit of a structure and then that structure falls away and what I'm writing becomes something else and then I do another structure and then that falls away. So it's a bit like scaffolding. Mm-hmm. You have it and you lean on it and then you don't need it, you take it away. And you've got to, you've got to, for me, you have to, hold it loosely then you can't you know I don't write a a three act structure and then hold fast to it right you've I got to allow space for the subconscious to bring stuff up and that's when it's really starts to sing you've got to allow that to happen but you know this is a real sticking point for so many people we don't like not knowing where we're going (laughs) yeah you know we want it's scary yeah it's terrifying you know I get a lot of questions about but what should I put in the scene yeah. And this is where trust comes in. You've got to trust your subconscious will come and sometimes you'll get stuck. If you think about writing as meeting a series of walls and you have to find different ways to get round those walls. But what happens is often with beginner writers, they hit a wall and they say, it's me, I can't do this, rather than 
I'll take the dogs for a walk, go for a shower, and it will come to me. They're just like, it's me, I'm rubbish, I can't yeah. do it. You just have to go away and read, watch plays, get more inspiration, and then the answer will come to you. Hmm. Um, so plotting, planning... It's, it's all good, basically. Yeah, it's, it's just re- up to what you prefer. Yeah, it's really, it's really what works for you. You know, you get varying degrees. For me, I have overplotted and found it really boring. Yeah. Because, you know, the magic happens when, when you allow yourself to create. And that's it. It's, a, it's an act of faith. And this is terrifying often. But when you allow, when you trust yourself to, you trust your subconscious to come up with answers, then it's massively empowering. Because what you're saying is, I'll get there. I'll find it out, it'll come up, and then right. it does. And it's amazing, that's the real magic. <laughs> yeah, that's the eureka kind yes, of moment. Yes, it's lovely. I want to ask you a bit more about character work. When you say you should do your character work, what does that mean? Yeah, well, you, you know, you need to know who your people are. The famous, uh, you know, Hemingway said... Um, I don't know if you've read Old Man in the Sea. I have, yes. Yeah, well, so it's about an old man who yes. goes fishing. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know, so, the, but he said, you know, there's the old man and there's the fish. Yeah. But he knew every single character in that village. So that's a bit extreme. You don't need to go to that extreme. Even right. though these villagers <laughs> didn't appear, he knew them all. That but, sounds very Hemingway. Yes, but. <laughs> very much. But, extreme example, but you definitely should know your guys. I yeah. mean, who's, who, you know, you need to know them so that you could... If if someone asked you what's their favourite biscuit, you could make an educated guess. You know, right. you don't need to know absolutely everything about them, but you want to work on their background, where they come from, their inner conflicts, their outer conflicts. Um, that's what brings people to life, their flaws, what they want, their big desire, because desire is what drives um, action, which, you know, desire, super objective, is what makes um story because desires come into conflict and conflict is story. So you have to have every character wanting something mm-hmm. and then that creates conflict and that creates story. Yeah. So that's so you just need to get to know your characters. You need to walk in their shoes and know where they're from and what they want, even the ones you hate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As an actor, maybe that's an opportunity to use some of your acting training. Um using the ways that you would get into a character anyway. Oh, yeah, massively. And blocking scenes, mm. doing all that stuff, really work through it, you know, talk in their voice, get them to write you letters, that's a good right. one. Oh, that's and their a nice voice. Idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can act out how they would act and really feel, you know, do all the stuff you do when you've got a part mm-hmm. for when you're getting that character on the page. And it just means the dialogue will be so much stronger. Well, on dialogue, yeah. I have to say that is usually one of the more terrifying parts for me to write. Mm. I feel like every time you write a piece of dialogue down on a piece of paper, it's just like no human would ever say that <laughs> or whatever. It's, like, it's really hard to just replicate how people talk. Um, and I think that's even harder with something like a play because it does actually have to get spoken. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for dialogue how does one do good dialogue yeah well it's all about desire Mm. it's all about knowing what your character's angling for and what you want to you know it's all about subtext as well so you know what your character's angling for but they don't come out and state it they don't say i want unconditional love or you know i want everyone to adore me or i want power but they angle for it in every conversation they have so if you think you think about it as being every scene there is a want, 
and then there's conflict and then there's the end is the event so what we want to get is an idea of the want in every scene so the want is the desire and what you have to do with dialogue is allow yourself to write really bad B-movie style dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it'll be awful. It always is. And, and then you refine it and refine it. And understanding your character's wants and needs helps you refine it. And, um, yeah, and, you know, the good thing about being an actor is then you can, you know, you can really play these parts and you can hear it. You know, you'll have a good ear for dialogue so you can hear what's, you know, record it, record it into your phone and then play it back and see how it sounds yeah and look you know bum notes mm. never just have your character state and basic information right right there should always be something else at work going on we should always be finding out more about their character it should always be ratcheting up the tension mm. or we find out about background without it being exposition so but that does never happens very rarely happens in the first or second draft that's all about redrafting right and yeah so you'll be cringing <laughs> when you write dialogue so you're not alone <laughs> we all do it it's like oh my god no yeah. human alive would say, say that this. yeah <laughs> i know it's yeah reading it back sometimes yeah, it's just like oh my god but what? that's normal and then you just refine it and of course it's about your homework is to listen and really listen to how mm. people speak and how people say what they mean without say what they want without saying what they want yeah. This is how we get on in this country. Yeah. People, people. Subtext is strong. Yes. Yes. So, you know, only, I always say the only country where people say that's clever and mean the opposite. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's nice. And that's it very nice. much does not mean nice. <laughs> so we want this and we want subtext. And remember, you know, people argue about taking the bins out and argue about, um, you know, I always tell this story about, my mother-in-law, uh, me and my mother-in-law having an argument about class when we were talking about condiments. <laughs> and she was saying French organic mayonnaise was the best and I was saying salad cream was the best. And really right. what we were saying was... <laughs> we're having a class chat. <laughs> yes. <just now>. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a battle of the classes over, a, although on the surface it was condiments. So you've got to think about what lies beneath. There's the mm. surface and then what lies beneath. And that's when your dialogue will sing and it all comes back to character and desire. Yeah. You mentioned as well about um, the importance of showing your work. Mm. Um, I feel like that's a really tricky balance to achieve because on the one hand, if you're partway through a draft of something and you show it early and someone says something like, this is rubbish, um, it might crush your confidence to finish it. Yeah. But then on the other hand, as you say, if you're polishing, polishing, polishing for 10 years and you never show it to anybody, mm. 10 years later you could show it to someone and they're just like, what the hell is going on here? Is there a good time or a good way to do feedback or get critique? Yeah, I would say, you know, third draft. Okay. Second, third draft. Depends um, really what, how... I Share it when you, you're you not quite ready. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's okay. But when you're taking some words out and putting them back in and you're tinkering and polishing, then that's time to give it away. But be careful who you share it with, obviously, mm. because it can make or break you. And um, you really want to find people who like the kind of stuff that you like. Right. Um, so that's where the community kind of thing could yeah, come in. Yeah, critique groups are great. 
but be careful because egos come into play in these things and often people say they, you know it's no one's fault but they feel pressure to feedback and they've not really thought about the feedback you know I've been in those situations when I was younger I'm like oh I better say something quick because mm. it's expected of me yeah. but it's not really well thought out <laughs> yeah. so you have to make sure it's a supportive environment And uh, but you need humans you need other people you know you're not writing this for yourself you're writing this for the public and I know that sounds obvious and patronising but and I know it's very hard because you don't want anyone to say that your baby's ugly, but it's really <laughs> important that you share it because you won't be able to see it. And then this magic happens, as I'm sure you've found, when you share your work. It's like suddenly you can see it with new eyes. Yeah, for sure. And I'm you, finding that more now. Yeah. I think like when you're really, really just starting, the, the, all those obstacles are so big just by themselves. Mm. So the, the very thought of sharing anything is like horrifying. Yeah. Um, but once you get a little bit past those initial, like the self-doubt or I don't have time or any of those kinds of obstacles, then I feel like it's safer to yeah. kind of share your work. It's still horrifying in a way, but, but it takes time. I don't think it ever stops being... You're never yeah. not anxious about it. But what happens is that you get greedy for it because mm. you know it helps. Yeah, for sure. So you get actually greedy for it. You're desperate for people to read it. You know, you're paying people to do it. Yeah. Because because you know you can't see and you get... You know, the thing is, we there's this massive myth about the writer is singular genius, playwright is singular genius, author is a singular genius, and that's not the truth. We need other people and... When you start to realise that, that you just can't see and you need other people's help, then then you're desperate for it. Yeah. So, you you, you know, but not to say you're not like, <laughs> you know, you still... Yeah, you still got that little... Yeah, that never leaves. And you still have the crazy hope that they'll be like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever read, which never happens. But yeah. the feedback is always useful. Plus the stuff that you reject, once you've thought about it, give yourself time to chew over it and be like, no, that's not what I'm aiming for. And that's really empowering. That's what you want, you know, you, because it's you've got to trust your own judgment. But be careful you're not defensive. Yeah. Not like, how dare you? Yeah, which is tough. Yeah, which is normal. Yeah. It's, that's normal, but give yourself a few days to go over that. You know, there will be, when you get feedback, there'll be points when you're like, how dare you? <laughs> this bit's amazing. And then three days later, you're like, oh, maybe they had a point. point. Yeah. So you have to give yourself space to come to that. But yeah, it took me a long time to share work and it meant that I um, did not develop as swiftly as I would have if I had shared work. Right. Um, so that is definitely something if I could go back in time I would say to my younger self to experiment to mm. play more and to share work as much as possible and to take feedback but with people who would be yeah, supportive, supportive. You know, and you you know, if you give it to your family, they're, they're either going to say this is amazing or yeah. this is terrible. So <laughs> depending on your family, exactly. Yeah. So be careful. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But do it. You have to share it with people. For sure, yeah. for sure. We've had some really um, interesting questions via okay. social media that I wanted to pass on to you. We've had one from Georgie Banks on Instagram who asks, "Do you implement writing techniques when you're writing, or do you just let it happen?" Are you conscious of the techniques, I suppose? Um, no, not in the drafting. And the draft should just be a massive spew on the page, really. Um, you can ha hold it loosely, but you want to just you want to just get it down 
and not think too much in technical terms. There can there can be some of that, mm. but the technique comes out in redrafting. Yeah. What's massively important is you get it on the page, get a beginning, middle and an end, and then look and see what the theme is. What mm. am I actually writing about? Rather than starting out with a theme, look back and go, oh, this is what it is, and be open to that. It might surprise you. You might be like, oh, I don't really want to write about this. But something in you does. Mm. So just go with that. And then once you know the theme, you can start working, reworking every scene with that theme in mind and then thinking more in technical terms. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that comes in the redrafting. Yeah. There's another question here that I think is a very um, juicy feminist question. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps because you run right like a girl. I don't know. But... um, (laughs) We have someone whose username is re underscore re nineteen ninety six on Instagram, who has asked, "Do you feel that there are certain restrictions on what subjects women can write about?" Oh yeah, and we can, and not so much anymore. But and in this terms of we, you know, out there in society is you can write about anything you want, but for sure we self censor. Definitely, you know, why is Fleabag been such a smash? Because here's here's a woman owning our bad sexual choices. Right. And, you know, and this is this is amazing. <laughs> Bridesmaids, the movie. Yeah. You know, if, if your friends are anything like mine, they've been talking like that for years. <laughs> here it was in the screen and why had no one done it before? You yeah. know, because women speak like this and yeah. joking or disgusting. So maybe there's not actual restrictions, there's just sort of perceived restrictions. Yeah, well, when you get to movies, of course, there's that whole thing about, you, you know, they'll not, they'll not fund if it's too... Oh, yeah, you know, too true. Few two women characters as the main actors no, all that kind of thing it's a consideration but in terms of I think it's all about self-censorship for us really um, and you know whether the gatekeepers will, will allow that to be written about but I think I think we do avoid we don't want our grannies to see something that's really laying bare we don't want people to think oh this is how she thinks or she acts and mm. I, do, I think a lot of it is subconscious we don't even catch it when we're avoiding subjects and that's uh something i will say that readers and audience respond to is authenticity so if you can press that bruise and be as open as possible people will respond to it and the thing is when you've watched a play that's really resonated with you because the the playwright's been vulnerable and written about their experience which you've found in their particular a universality you never judge them you never think oh my god how could she lay herself so bare Mm. you know you've got so much respect for someone who does that that's so true yeah we never we never shame or judge when someone's been that open and honest yeah the vulnerability is actually yeah the appealing thing yeah we it resonates with us Mm. so keep that in mind that that's what people an audience responds to so um go for it and be as wild as possible (laughs) that kind of brings me to my next question i guess which is uh, there's that traditional piece of writing advice that says you should just write what you know Uh uh-huh how true do you think that is? Is that a bit of a limited well to draw from? I think you'll always write what you know. You know, I, I, yeah. I, th- you know, part of story is about experiencing other people's lives. Yeah. And I think it would be very boring if we all just wrote about our own lives. Yeah. You know, and so it's twofold. You're giving the audience an experience of, of a different life, and you're also writing it. Of course, you have to be careful that mm-hmm. you're not stepping on any 
cultures tones and doing some cultural appropriation and that's about that's about engaging with the community you're writing about and making sure that you've got it right yeah and asking yourself questions about why you're writing certain stories but i definitely think it's all open and it should be um the thing is to write with emotional truth whatever you write it goes back to writing about blue people on mars you know it will be it will be it will be about you it will be autobiographical it always is mm-hmm uh, it always ends up being because you'll be working through these things subconsciously that have been going on in your life. But what's important is no matter how far removed from your own life is that there's an authentic emotional truth there that will resonate with the audience. That's what's important. And that will usually come from your own experience just in the same way when you're acting, you dig down to something that's happened to you that will connect you with the character and then you can play the role better. It's the same thing. Mm, for sure yeah my last question for you is do you believe in writer's block no (laughs) that's the end (laughs) absolutely not it's pure fear and I have tons of empathy for it because it's terrifying you know for that feeling and I have experienced it before definitely when I was doing my PhD I had I really suffered from it but what you need to do is play yeah this is when the voices from outside and the fears of the past come in and it's about what you're doing is you're not writing from the heart, you're writing from the head and it's about what will other people think and that freezes you, of course it does and I can't do this and I'm not going to do it well and blah 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 mm-hmm. and I don't mean that blah 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 in a negative way, I mean I've been there myself um, it really is allowing yourself to play yeah. and not putting any pressure on yourself you know, start with one line of dialogue and write whatever comes into your head. Leave what you're stuck at and go do something else. But just keep writing. Just keep doing it and uh, write regularly and be kind to yourself. That's buckets of kindness. You need buckets of kindness. Be stubborn. Don't stop for anything. Do it for yourself. It's It really is about... You know, you're looking after yourself. You're also using your own experience to connect with an audience. Um, it's really cathartic. It will empower you. It's magic. You're creating magic. It's hard at first, but keep going. It's hard because you don't know what you're doing, but you can learn what you're doing. Yeah. Talent is only a small part of it. It really is tenacity. That's the most important thing is keep bloody going and learn. Thank you, Kerry. On that note, where can people find you if they want to find out more about Write Like a Girl, for instance? Yeah, so it's um, writelikeagirl.com and at Write Like a Girl on Instagram and Twitter. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spotlight Podcast. That's all for now from the home of casting. Do keep an eye out on our social media if you want to ask any questions to our future guests. For now, if there are any other questions or we can help you in any other way, please drop us an email at questions at spotlight.com. 